Today, you'll hear the founder of Women in Voice, Joan Palmiter Bajoric, who not only has created an incredible community in the last year, but is also a successful UX researcher, conversational designer, and a linguist. You'll hear her talk about her journey from the arts into technology, how being a linguist helps her be a better conversational designer, how her nonprofit Women in Voice came about, plus what she's currently excited about and why voice matters to her. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your co-host, Carrie Roberts. And today I have one of the leaders in voice and the founder of Women in Voice, Joan Palmiter Bajoric. How are you, Joan? Welcome. Good. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to start with, because I know you're the creator of Women in Voice, but you're also a UX researcher and a conversational designer and a linguist. But what's interesting is before all of that, you started as a photographer and a graphic designer. (laughs) Can you talk about your journey from the arts into tech and how do you think arts and technology are related? Impressive question. I rarely get asked about that. I primarily identify as a linguist and I've always been really interested in languages. I started learning French in middle school and just fell madly in love. I was that kid that was interested in French. You know, you probably remember those people. And so I think the love of culture and art, graphic design, photography, I felt like I belonged there and it was such a creative space. And I've always really held that flame across whatever projects I'm doing. Yeah. So I I have a BA in photography, graphic design from the University of Washington. And then I went to work in France, came back and started really deep diving into linguistics. Um, Got my master in linguistics at the University of California, Davis and then uh, finishing up my PhD at the University of Arizona in more speech-language technology, HCI. But what made you decide to go from this kind of very art-based thing to get into technology in general? I presented in galleries here in Seattle during my BFA. I was really excited about it, but I also, it's a pretty volatile work environment. Or just there were so many people, even super successful people, had trouble paying the bills. And that just... I was like, that doesn't seem like fun. Like the creative piece is exciting to me, but there are other lack of perks um, in that respect. And I think um, I always wanted to go back to graduate school. That was always of interest to me. And so I think what's really great about the voice space is you can be creative and also pay the bills. (laughs) There's a, a good path for people in that respect. Yeah. And for those that don't know what linguistics is, can you talk about what it is and how you think it helps you be a better conversational designer? Definitely. Well, linguistics overall is the scientific study of language. So we're all immersed in language every day, but really a scientific study of looking specifically at the words and how those map across languages or semantics, or I'm super passionate about phonetics kind of the acoustics of us hearing sounds and processing sounds and how that fits in with different technical systems of where we set thresholds and automatic speech recognition, very sophisticated machine learning, but phonetics, the study of languages specifically. And uh, you asked how that fits into conversational design. You know, I was working with a developer the other day and we were talking about, you know, you could write just a script of, you know, what are you looking for today? What we write the first time but really crafting the language and making it a wonderful user experience in editing and revising is that creative piece that I think a lot of linguists understand better than specifically a coding one-to-one mapping. Yeah. And you know, I found out about you originally and your group, which we'll get into in a moment from Luciana Morris, who is just Mm -hmm. a huge fan of you and everything you do. And what she 
really talked about, which I loved, was how now there is this kind of emphasis on creatives and on this ability to bring people who are inherently creative into the tech space, into the voice tech space, which is very exciting because I myself am also, I'm a performing artist, I'm a dancer. Hmm. So I was in the arts and then got into tech as well. And so I think that's very exciting. I mean, do you feel the same way or do you see kind of this movement of creatives kind of going into the tech space or they're not really aware of it yet? What are your thoughts on that? I don't think it has yet been realized that creatives and people with MFAs have a great opportunity here in the conversational design space. But it's interesting you mentioned, I didn't know you're a dancer. That's really Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Do you know the people at Zandra? They do such amazing work at Design Studio. Most of them came out of theater and performing arts backgrounds and bring that richness of knowledge and that kind of writer space to conversational design. Actually, we had Kat Zidane, I believe that's how you pronounce her name, on um, our early webinars, Women in Voice. And just, I loved the way she approaches problems. I thought it was just a beautiful framework. Yeah, I get really excited to see, you know, I think as kids, you always heard like STEM going to science and technology. And now there is this push for the arts as well as, as it's equally as important. And I love that it is coming into the voice space as a whole. Absolutely. And I think it's valued in ways that sometimes other technical things like you need to be a software engineer to belong. And I feel like that narrative is really being reshaped to a, a holistic team of people. Yes. You know, you're a researcher as well, and I'm curious over the years, have you found any research when it comes to voice technology and women? Was there anything that you have kind of been noticing that's been happening over the years? I mean, this is a question I get at dinner parties every day of the week is about personas and, you know, why are they all female voices? You know, how do people respond to those differently? Which I don't have a lot of great answers on, but I, in my research, less on the UX side, but more on the automatic speech recognition I've been writing about bias in systems and how they process male and female voices differently on the acoustic side. So, or I don't know if that's specifically to your question about gender and voice technology, but there's such a room for research in this field. And I just published in Harvard Business Review, like I think there's more momentum and press about these topics. And can you explain why there is more female voices, you know, when it comes to Siri, Alexa, Google Assistant, you know, and there's also the conversation of there's a lot of men writing for female voices, Mm -hmm. which is kind of an interesting play as well. You know, what are your thoughts on that? The most consistent narrative I hear of the rationale why most of them are female voices is that people prefer them. It was famously said, I don't know exactly how true this is, um, but when they were creating Siri at Apple, they defaulted to a male voice. But as soon as they did user testing, that was quickly changed to a female voice. There was a strong negative visceral response. And so I guess we choose to propagate that. One of my colleagues is actually heavily working on voice cue, that gender neutral voice. I don't know if you've heard about this. No. Yeah. Tell us um, more. Cue. Yeah. But it's the concept that you can make a voice sound quite androgynous, that there is no gender to this voice assistant and kind of how people respond to that. Because the UN put out a report being like, this is very problematic, this uh, defaulting to female voices as our virtual assistant, as the secretarial role is always being a woman is deeply problematic. I always like to tell people my voice assistant, I use Siri, is a British male voice because I I think it's just fun to have that jarring like, oh, 
<laughs> male voice <laughs> and check in with myself about my own internal biases. Yeah, you know, that's funny because mine is an Australian man voice. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh. I, you know, I think it's, I don't know why. I think it's, I like the accent. Maybe it's interesting because you can do that, you know, with your Google Maps as well to kind of adjust it to the type of voice that you want to hear. So it's interesting to hear that there's going to be more of that coming and that you're talking about kind of this Q space, this androgynous voice. I hadn't heard that before. That's wonderful to hear. You are the founder of Women in Voice. Can you talk about how this concept came about and this community was built from the beginning a few years ago? Well, it was actually just a year ago. Uh, almost oh, the, really? Almost I thought day. it was a Oh, wonderful. Uh, well, congrats. Thank you. Yeah, I hear that a lot. People are like, really? You're only a year in? I mean, this goes right from my research background into tech. Finishing my PhD, I've presented at conferences regularly, but presented more at tech conferences. And honestly had a pretty big culture shock. There's a narrative in academia that women internationally are badass trailblazing researchers. And then when I came to Techland, I was just like, where are my ladies? You know, like keynotes, tons of male panels. Just, I felt like the formats and the respect was just not there in the way that I saw these women. It was really at Voice Summit last year where I was like, wow, there are women doing amazing work in this field and they're not being amplified in the way that they could be. And as I joined the voice field, I could be complicit and normalizing that type of behavior. Yeah, I remember just going home and I was like, I can't sleep, like knowing this. I felt like, it probably sounds silly. I don't feel like a very spiritual person in that respect, but I felt like a calling. I was like, I have to do something. What am I going to do? And it could have been me. It could have been at least two other people. I'm the one that launched the mission statement, the Twitter handle, our website, and just said, hey, Women in Voice exists. Like, <laughs> who's interested? Who's with me? And as you well know, it just uh, skyrocketed. The response has been so resoundingly positive, slightly overwhelming, honestly, but really, really exciting. And what would you say, since it's only a year old, is the thing you're most proud of in the last year when it comes to the women in voice community? Most proud of? I mean, I would say that there are two pieces I'm most proud of. My leadership team might have a different answer to that. But I'm really, really proud of the international reach of women in voice. It's really not about just women here in the United States. I mean, we have local chapters, like people with events in London. Madrid, Seattle, Mexico City, we're just about to launch um, New York City and San Francisco. That's one piece of it. But I think also being recognized by really big organizations about like Women in Voice has such reach and, and power. I mean, uh, <laughs> the Alexa Awards, I was um, a finalist for Executive of the Year. And this recent uh, Voice Bot AI being a top influencer. Like, I think people really get it. And they get on board with women in voice. Like, I don't have to explain myself. People are like, oh, diversity, voice, like, yes, I'm down. How do we make this happen? Yeah, I love it. Like I said, the one woman was the first person who told me about your group. Then I was on it on Slack. And then people at the event were like asking me at the event. They're like, where's the women in voice table? <laughs> like everybody was looking, who's there? What's going on? You know, all these females just feeling like this sense of like, I belong here. Um, I feel accepted here. And, and I congratulate you on creating that space because it's something that so many women have just felt at home in. And in such a short period of time, that brings a lot of meaning to these ladies. Well, systemically, Voice Summit supported us. Like they supported us getting a booth. I don't know if you noticed, but our booth was like the main spot. 
wow. I was like, can it, that's a choice that they made, right? Like they deeply support us. And men, like, I got to tell you, I mean, clearly we support women in, in massive ways, but like, it makes my day. I get messages all the time from men being like, what is this amazing thing? Like, can I be a part of it? Like, am I allowed to be part of it? And, and my narrative is like, join the party. Like, that's exactly what I mean by inclusion is that people want to work together and build the future together with men and women and any genders, you know, very inclusive in the gender space. I love that. And I definitely see that in the voice technology space as a whole Mm -hmm. in a way that I've never seen it before. And I don't know if it's because voice technology is, you know, it's still so new to the average person. People who've been in it for a while will say it's been around for a long period of time, but I still think it's very new. So there's kind of a lot of creativity going on and people are starting new things. And it's such a small community still that people are looking to interact with anyone. Um, I know I spoke to people from, I know you're on the West Coast in California that came to Voice Summit because they were like, I just want to meet anyone else (laughs) in this space. And there's something just very special about the voice technology space that I haven't seen seen anywhere else. I don't know if you have or not. Honestly, not that much exposure to the tech field, but I definitely the tone of conferences like Voice Summit are exceptionally inclusive and friendly. I mean, I think it's kind of wild to me that you can walk up to keynotes and they're very approachable. I don't know that it'll always be like that, but I love that there's less hierarchy than you might expect. I couldn't agree more. Now, as you said, you were at Voice Summit last year and this year, you know, you said you love the inclusivity that it was about. Was there anything else that you really enjoyed about being there? Just the warmth. I think meeting, getting to meet people from all around the world that I interact with, right? We, we slack each other. We, we talk regularly, but getting to meet them in person. I don't know if you saw the Women in Voice dinner. It was invite only. It was highly requested. I want you to know you needed to like rent out a whole nother space. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's our first iteration. We were really, because well, my leadership team, there's a lot of strong feelings about how do we make it really meaningful for the people who are there to really get to speak to each other? Like we could easily had, you know, 50 to 150 people at that dinner. And I think Voice Summit in the future, we've been talking about iterating, you know, breakfast or other types of events. Yeah. Mandy posted that everywhere. I was like, oh gosh, I got some Joan. Why wasn't I invited type messages? But that's not the point. The point was really to people from so many different companies and internationally, you know, being able to meet and really talk to each other. And I think that's something that Voice Summit worked on this year as well is I told women like, please apply, you know, how do they get like a diverse speaker, you know, demographic group if women aren't applying to be speakers and so forth. And then people like, oh, me? Little old me speaking? I was like, you're on the C-suite of one of the biggest startups I know. Like, of course you. Like, what do you, who, who else? Get there, get going, get confident. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I was at registration in the beginning of the day, most of us working at Voice just to greet everybody. And I would ask, are you a speaker, an attendee to guide them? And I will tell you, I mean, what a variety of speakers. I mean, just mm-hmm. in look and age and background, male, female, everything in between. It was very impressive to me you know, I've told Pete Erickson this many times that I think that that is a huge, great thing that he does there. And it's a huge part of why I'm a part of it. And I love that. I love that your community is a part of that. I think you're right. It's about encouraging people to have that confidence to even just apply. You don't know the worst that happens that, you know, you don't get accepted, but why not? And there were so many people that were, that had a voice that even people who are doing startups now that were at the summit last year, 
started a company within the year and have grown the company and were speaking there. I mean, they were like, what? Like, what's happening? I mean, they were just so excited. And some of those were more attended than some of the bigger ones. So it was just a tremendous thing to see. Yeah. Well, and Janice, I think, and Pete's team, all of it, I think they so deeply support it and systemically, right? But someone told me, they walked up to me like, this is the most inclusive tech event I've ever been at. And that's by intention, right? Like they choose the speakers and how it's all curated. So props to them for really walking the walk. Yeah. It's a huge part of what the whole team does. No, I, I couldn't agree more. So I'm curious, how do you encourage companies or schools to get more women involved in technology and especially in voice technology? Well, I mean, one of the first things that I like to talk about, or I feel like there's definitely more carrot or stick approaches that you can take. Honestly, Women in Voice provides a a platform to just have a discussion. That's something I talk about a lot is I just want to be talking about it. And the more we normalize having discussions about diversity, I've talked to some very senior leadership about inclusive hiring practices, because a lot of the way current systems are set up are grabbing keywords and unfortunately are quite biased in the way they select candidates to even be interviewed. I think there's growing momentum with women who code and girls who code here in the United States about getting those skills, building those communities, um, getting into the tech sector. I mean, people are so supportive. I, I have extremely supportive mentors who are senior white men, if I'll be honest. And I guess maybe a, a very blunt way to talk about it is percentages. Instead of saying like, oh, we would like to have something, really looking at the demographics in the room and saying, this is X percentage, right? This is X percent. How do you feel about that number? What could we do to change those metrics? How do we encourage women to apply? How do we encourage people to stay, which is a serious retention is also an issue. But I think, or at least I try to be, I have a narrative of collaboration. I feel like antagonism is not going to get us anywhere, um, but say, how can we work together to improve this? And a lot of people, I think, respond well to that. What are you currently working on that you are maybe extra excited about? I'm really excited about launching these new chapters in New York and San Francisco, mostly because it's just the way it impacts communities. Here in Seattle, we have pending events regularly, uh, almost monthly. And people who literally, two women are like, we work a few buildings away and didn't even know each other existed. Like that type of impactful community that I see on a micro level here in Seattle happening in those communities in New York and San Francisco and Madrid, it brightens me so much to know how it can kind of little butterfly ripple effects of people getting to know each other and deeply building community and professionalism. Yes, I am a huge fan of that as well. I think that's why I personally love podcasting so much. (laughs) It's a way to build community, you know, one-on-one, and then you see people in person. And so I love that you're doing these around the country and around the world. If people want to connect with you or they want to be a part of Women in Voice, where and how can they do that? Absolutely. So we're most active on Twitter. Women in Voice is our handle. Um, We also have a pretty active Slack and LinkedIn groups. Um, the Slack and LinkedIn are for women and non-binary and, and spectrum people. Um, we ask for that. But and I also should mention, we have Women in Voice Español to really reach a Spanish-speaking population. So definitely, that's uh, currently manifesting on Twitter specifically. But all those platforms, you're welcome to email me personally, though I, I don't know that I recommend it. I try to check my email regularly, but 
these days I really get flooded. We're working on getting me more support for different people to take off, take different projects off my plate. But it's a pretty big role. <laughs> Little did I suspect. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the Slack channel. The Women in Voice Slack channel is great. And you guys have, you know, different categories for people looking for jobs or attending mm-hmm. events or wanting to speak. And everybody there is, is super friendly and, and like you said, willing to interact, you know, whether it's online, offline, on the phone or whatever, which is great to see. I love that. And people tell me like, even though we see a Slack kind of these general channels, a lot of people are using it to DM each other and say, hey, wait a minute. Are you in my nearby city or who is attending this conference? Like, let's all meet up. And I, especially since we're only a year in, I foresee that becoming more and more a thing in the next few years. And a last addition to that, we are launching our international newsletter for Women in Voice. So please find that link on Twitter or on our website and get rolling newsletters to your inbox. The last question I have for you is why does voice matter to you? As a linguist, I love phonetics and kind of how it affects a lot of people. But I think on a broader scale, voice technology is revolutionizing how humans are interacting with computers, right? Like it will never be the same. We're going to have a generation that don't even remember. Like I've read articles about like, who needs to learn how to type anymore if this is really ubiquitous in the way we foresee it going to be. And I think women and diversity, everyone designing and developing the future of how we interact with computers, that is so exciting. (laughs) And just voice technology being part of that. I can't wait to see how we build the future together. Well, thank you so much, Joan, for this lovely conversation and for your passion and energy for bringing everyone together to have these conversations and to work together in the voice community. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you. And we look forward to chatting with you next week.